So, Father, thank you for having, thank you for just this man full of knowledge, full of wisdom, just the gifting and anointing that you place on his life. And, Father, I just pray that as he speaks, we'll catch the heart of heaven tonight. I just pray that you'll bless him tonight and that you'll just bless this time of just hearing a little bit about your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ooh, I'm going to be dangerous tonight. I'm not going to ask you if that's okay. I'm going to be dangerous tonight. It's an announcement. Because we had a fantastic packed week, spiritually packed week. I hope some of you were part of these journeys. If not, next year. At least you're here tonight. Huh? No, no, we don't, we don't take stock. No, no, no. No, that's why we have a judgment seat of Jesus. We don't, as a church, we don't care who, who gets to go where. But I'm just telling you, for those of you who were there, or if you weren't here, you know, God is progressive um, um, God, so it means the church is on a journey. So if you only come once a week here and you don't, get, you don't take, take a hold of anything that's going on, like through announcement and things, you are missing out on tremendous blessings. Um, and you will maybe, um, hope not, but um, you might end up in the Hope Center asking for help. But you can also prevent it and be proactive and be equipped. Let's make our counseling departments as small as possible. Is that okay? Amen. Yes, amen. Thank you very much. Well, why do you say that, Gerben? I don't know. I just felt led by the Spirit to say that. Be equipped. Be equipped of the things of the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. You know, any atheist can do life on earth. Gee, another opportunity to say amen. It's a <laughs> tough crowd tonight. It's a tough crowd. Gee, all right. Okay, well, Holy Spirit, help me. Get through to these people. <laughs> oh, man, Friday. Who of you were here Friday? Oh, wow. That explains it, not enough. Well, we had a couple of thousand people here on Friday um, losing their voice. Shouting to God, shouting in, in places of breakthrough. We had Mami Ali, Mami Ali, sorry, you were, you were, you were, you were, you know, you were, were by Jeremy Riddle through the Holy Spirit. Wow! <laughs> or actually by the Holy Spirit through Jeremy Riddle. He was pulled onto the stage and asked to make a, make a sound. Well, kind of forced by God to make a sound. And a beautiful sound came out of that man, like a, like a roar of a lion. Like, I've never heard you sing, brother. I've never heard you sing. I've already seen you play. I mean, what a voice there. What a powerful, like, anointing, anointing, groundbreaking, breakthrough kind of voice. And all of a sudden, that picture on Jeremy Riddle's Instagram, I mean, Mamiella has now has got, like, over 250,000 followers. <laughs> Have you seen it? And a couple of million on Facebook. <laughs> wow. Yeah, man. <laughs> anyway, but there's a real leadership anointing on your life. I spoke with Jeremy afterwards. I mean, Mick and I have also been praying for you, and a lot have been highlighting you in our hearts, and then Jeremy just identified it in the Spirit and had you scream, scream to God for joy in a beautiful voice. We'll talk later. Incredible leadership anointing there on your life. You might not like it. It's often like that when God does these things. You're like, oh, Lord, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, so we had a we had a we had a jam-packed week. Like on Monday, we had a truth walk in this very auditorium, mine auditorium. We had like people from other side of the ocean coming here and just for hours and hours and hours a day, just tackling books of the Bible, like uh, revealing and unpeeling the onion and the layers of scriptures, and until everybody's had something of a revelation going home about these books. And at the same time, we had a worship winter wonderland school. Um, of which many of you were not a part of. So next year, it's great. So lots of empowering going on, like seven to 12 hours a day. And then it all accumulated into this worship explosion on Friday. It shifted atmosphere, changed life. Many people were healed, lots of testimonies. It's still coming in. And we're going to mobilize and organize more of these things as a church because we're living in a season where, you know, just rocking up, sitting on a chair and doing your duty on Sunday is not enough to do what God wants to do in South Africa. I'm increasingly excited. And um, yeah, it's just, I gladly spent my time in the presence of God. I don't, I don't know about you. Uh, it's, I hope and I pray that actually increasingly becomes a struggle for me to actually do my quote-unquote normal life. Because I also have a job and I have to take care of all kinds of things in, on earth as it is in heaven, hopefully. But I mean, the equipping in the spirit is what we need. Otherwise, we just refer it back and we just kick the Holy Spirit out and then it becomes really boring. Um, 
So Father, I pray for an amazing time in your presence right now. Not because I say necessarily things that make sense, but because you are going to sow seeds and hopefully you're going to use me and through me um, sow seeds into people's lives so that they can get more hungry, more thirsty for you. It's not about bringing solutions here tonight from the pulpit. It's about, if anything else, maybe going home and asking more questions to you, going on our knees and being in your presence and worship a little bit more, praise you a little bit more, asking you, you, you questions a little bit more, studying the Bible a little bit more, Lord. If you can use me just for that a little bit more, then, Lord, then we can all rejoice and all build the kingdom together as a community on a mission, putting God's glory on display. And all God's people say, Amen. Who was here last week, Sunday, when I preached? Oh, before I ask, sorry, I do apologize. It's me two, two times, like two consecutive times. I, you know, sorry, you have to deal with me again. They couldn't find anybody else, and it's just like, I'm down the list there, and it's like, oh, now you're available. Okay, I'm always available. I've got nothing else to do. People don't ask me for anything, so, you know, I'm not a busy man at all. It's just, I don't know why this, so I apologize. Um, this was actually my scheduled time to preach last week wasn't. So, <laughs> it's a good thing the Holy Spirit is preaching. Uh, I just translated with a Dutch accent. Um, so, who was here last week Sunday evening? Who was here last week Sunday? Okay, just tell your neighbor what God said last week. What was it all about last week? Just go to somebody who wasn't here. Just let's put up your hand who wasn't here last week Sunday evening. Put up your hand, please. So, all those of you who were here, just go to somebody and tell them, that the one-liner, what did God say? What did you walk away with last week? I'm a teacher. This is called accountability. Let's see if anybody paid attention. It's okay. No guilt and no condemnation through those. Of, yeah, are we there? Yeah, one-liner? Okay, fantastic. I'm actually asking this for myself. I don't know what I preached last week. <laughs> so anybody wants to scream a one-liner at me? What, what on earth was I, was I sharing last week? Oh, about generosity, yes. A harvest of generosity in one's life. Anything else? Ready to? Finance. Ready to finance. That's it. We talked about finances. Very good. Oh, yes. Out of the mouth of babes will come praise. Yeah, very good. Okay, finance. So, and we, the backdrop of that was everything belongs to the Lord. That's the backdrop. Everything belongs to the Lord. Um, talking about stewardship, I see there on the slide. Yes, we are um, in a season of stewardship here and, and declaring that everything belongs to the Lord as a, for starters, whatever we talk about, whatever theme. The theme today is ready to enjoy His pleasure, ready to enjoy His pleasure. Uh, it's a very difficult title. Uh, you can explain it in various directions. So I asked the Lord, what do you want me to do with that? And He just gave me a lot of pleasure through the word. And there we go. Proverbs 17:22. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Boom. Pleasure. Oh, for the lovers of drinks and food. Ecclesiastes 2, 24. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. Behold, Ecclesiastes 5, 18. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink. <laughs> and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Your lot is to eat and drink and enjoy God. And be merry. It's like a spiritual Oktoberfest. Because we get drunk not on wine but in the spirit. On the spirit, amen? Ooh, we should. Are you, how hungry are you? How hungry are you? The Bible is full of the pleasures of God. And because, why is this? Because all these prophets and all these wonderful men and, and women of God, am I, t am, I, am I speaking too fast? Because I'm very excited. Am I okay? Yeah, okay, good. If I speak slower, the sermon will t take longer. So it's just a fast. Blah, 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 blah. Ecclesiastes 8, 15. And I commend joy, for man has no good thing under the sun, but to eat and drink and be joyful. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. Ecclesiastes says exact same words in chapter 2, in chapter 5, and in chapter 8. 
as if God wants to say, I really, really want, really want you to get this. Whenever the scripture repeats something, it's not because God is forgetful and you go like, oh, let me, uh, like he didn't know it was already there. It's like a couple, couple of chapters down the line, a couple of chapters down the line, a couple of chapters down the line. Eat and drink and enjoy. Enjoy. Don't be one of these lemon juice constipated Christians. <laughs> Love you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, somebody pray for my... Yeah. <sighs> Lovers of parties. Anybody? Anybody here loves to party? Yeah. Oh, three people. <laughs> really? What kind of a church is this? Oh, no wonder you all didn't come at you know at the worship the worship explosion on Friday. You need to put yourself in places where you can get rid of the of the of the spiritual stuckness. Let me. That's a politer word than the word that starts with a C. Lovers of parties, Ecclesiastes 11.9. Rejoice, all young men and women, in your youth. Anybody? And let your hearts cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know, here's the oops, while you're doing that, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. So it's like this, this <laughs> it's like this, uh, when I grew up in the 80s, there was this uh, American show, uh, like some kind of a can, candid camera, candid camera show. Like it's called, it was called Banana Split in Holland. I don't know how to, because of like, ha, 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 there's a banana, peel, <laughs> candid camera. Anyway, so it's like, this is that scripture. Like, it's like, smile, you're on candid camera. So you can smile, you can walk in your ways, you can party, but just know that um, all these things God will bring you into judgment. But you can party. You're supposed to. You're supposed to. And we've seen it on Friday. Some of us are still tired. Yeah. And some of us still have to play drums. 1 Peter 3.10 For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. For the shy people, John 16.24 Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive. That your joy may be full. It's for the shy people. Then for the rich people amongst us. 1 Timothy 6, 17, 19. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, there's that word again, and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and a good wealth to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. So apparently to be rich is also a lot. It can be, depending on what you do with it. For the lovers of contentment, Hebrews 13.5. Are you still keeping up? I'm just preaching from the word. Often preachers say that they preach from the word and then they don't quote the word. I've got 99 scriptures tonight. Yeah, there's a singer in Europe, uh, like 15 years ago, I had a hit with 1990 Luftballons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, the 1990, you probably had an English version here. Yeah? Uh, what? What balloons? Red balloons. Oh, well, anyway, this is 99 scriptures. So Hebrews 13.5, stop singing. Keep your life free from love of money. Free from love of money. Free? Hmm. free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 1 Timothy 6, 6-8. Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of this world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Yep, all good. No naked people tonight. For the spiritually hungry, Psalm 16, verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures, as it were, forevermore. Luke 1, 47, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For the people who worry, anybody here? Yes, a lot. John 16, 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may, t you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Then my favorite hippie scripture, Matthew 6, 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious 
about your life. We, we, it came up in the prayer time before the service. What you will eat or what you will drink. Know about your body, what you will put on, what kind of Botox. Oh no, that's not a translation. It is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the air. And there's the 70s kind of. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into, uh, gather into bonds, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies in the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Why is this a strange scripture? Is because, you know, not far down the line here, the disciples, you know, they, was, they, were, they were trembling for fear. They, were, you know, they saw Jesus almost getting arrested and stuff. And what is Jesus' response? This, these kinds of scriptures. Like, you know, look at the, look at the birds in the sky and the lilies in the fields. <laughs> it's been, do not be anxious. They had all the reasons to be anxious and increasingly anxious to the point that Peter took the sword of one of the Roman soldiers and chopped an ear off, of which Jesus said, like, uh, I, I do apologize. <laughs> like a good British people, person. And there it is. Bah, back on. <laughs> do, not be, do not be anxious. I've got about 80 more, but I'm, I'm going to go to the beginning of my document. Why? Because... All of these things are related to how do we position ourselves in terms of what do we do with our time? How generous are we with our time to God? That's why I was a bit naughty and asked some of you, like, you know, who was there on Friday? Who was part of the Truth Walk? Who was part of the Worship Equipping School? Who was part? I mean, and I'm not, you don't have to be part of all these things. I trust you to do your devotionals daily. I trust you to have quiet time daily. I trust you to study the Bible daily. But there's also, you know, but I don't know about you, but I need the community to also kind of send me strong invites and make me accountable. Like, hey, Gerben, where were you? Not out of a spirit of control or manipulation, but out of love, out of wanting the best for one another. You can hold me to account. If you don't see me at certain things, you never see me at a men's breakfast or a this or that, like, then you can, please, if you love me, come to me and say, like, what's going on? We haven't seen you for a while. And that shouldn't be interpreted as control because there's no consequences, whatever you tell me or whatever I tell you. There's just... We need to be mature and love each other to such an extent we can confront each other with the truth of God and also just be able to, you know, challenge each other like, what do we do with our time? Is God in your calendar? Is only the things of this world in your Apple and your smartphone, Apple, Samsung, and a whole bunch of other things? I need to mention a few more brands, otherwise they sue me because it's on radio. All the other brands. Sony Ericsson doesn't exist anymore. You know, what do you do with your smartphone? Is it just to live this world on this earth? Or is God in that calendar as well? Are you striving for the fruit of the Spirit? Are you desiring the gifts of the Spirit? Are you focusing on the spiritual disciplines? Are these things on your smartphone? Or is, it just, is the smart part of the phone just for the things of this earth? Or are you using your electronic stuff, your gadgets also, to further the kingdom? That's a big question. Because there's two kinds of time. There's Kronos time and there's Kairos time. Kronos, is, the English word chronology comes from that, and it's two Greek words in the Bible used for time. In English, it's translated as time, both in the Bible, so it can be confusing. What, is, what does it mean? So it's always good to have the Greek translation somewhere on your smartphone um, or your devices. Kronos means just time as it passes, second after second. After, so it's pretty linear, and you can't kind of recuperate it. You can't go back in that kind of time. Kairos time, um, when the Bible speaks about Kairos, it means an opportunity, a time that is created to have a, a special opportunity and a special encounter. In our, in our case, when we use Kairos and in the connotation of the Bible, the use of the Bible, um, it means that it is a, an opportunity for God to transform us. It's that appointed time and that can last a second and it can feel like an hour or it can be days and it's only... One minute in, in deep worship can sometimes feel like hours. Do you have that experience? And the other way around, where you worship for hours and you, and you feel it's a long time, but it's actually not. It's like when you're in God's presence, time becomes very relevant, relevant all of a sudden. And if you don't set your alarm, you're going to be late for work, kind of, that kind of time. And, but now the two of them have, have a relationship because 
Kronos creates the possibility for Kairos. If we don't plan, we are made after his image and he's got plans for us to prosper. The question is, do you also have plans for you to prosper? And we prosper if we do God's will. It's as simple as that. It has nothing to do with um, the bank account necessarily. Um, so do you make time for God? Are you disciplined with that? Because the art of possibility is really, you need to create an opportunity for him to do a miracle. Who does not want miracles? I mean, nobody. Who is like our God? Nobody. Thank you. It's a song. I was just testing our worship department. <laughs> God is a God of miracles. He still is. But we are there to create space for him so he can do the miracle. He is also quite a father in the sense that he's so gentle that he would not impose or push or press or pressurize. We have to ask and knock, like the Bible says. Let me read you the following from a book I love, uh, 365 devotional, 65 days devotional by Bill Johnson. On a cold and rainy Saturday, church buses were sent to the neediest parts of our city, Reading, to find the homeless and the poor. The bride and groom eagerly anticipated their return and prepared a meal in their honor. The needy were to be the distinguished guests of their wedding. Ralph and Colleen met while working in our ministry to the poor. They shared a passion for God and a love for the needy. Although it is common for the bride and groom to register for gifts at fine department stores, Ralph and Colleen did so at Target. And all they put on their wish list were coats, hats, gloves, sleeping bags, etc. To be given to their guests. This was not going to be a typical wedding. In our pre-wedding meeting, the bride and groom encouraged me to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in case he wanted to heal people during the wedding. They had created far too great a miracle opportunity for God not to do something extraordinary. See, that's why we do these things like truth work and uh, walk and worship schools and worship weekends and, and the worship evenings like with Jeremy and, 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 and those friends. You create spaces for God that he has to come and do something extraordinary because he loves being with his children. We need to create opportunity more for him to be with us. Following the ceremony, the newly married couple went directly to the reception hall, got behind the serving table and dished the food for their guests. The hungry became satisfied. God was pleased. But before the wedding ever started, two or three people came to me with excitement in their voice. There's somebody here who only has two and a half years to three years to live. We had crossed a milestone. Miracles of healing had become more common to the point that a life-threatening disease seemed more like a potential miracle than it did something to fear. That in itself is a dream come true for me. People in North America expecting something supernatural from God. And it's the same dream that God has for this nation. There's nothing impossible for him. But we need to create space. There is that side of the coin. So when they heard the testimony of what God has done, the anointed on the testimony opened a realm of possibilities. Many, many got healed during that uh, wedding, by the way. The atmosphere became pregnant with opportunity for the miracle that had been described in the testimony to be duplicated. When they engaged their faith and stepped into that opportunity in the slightest measure, that possibility became reality. So these testimonies need to go around. We need to make a much bigger noise about what God is doing in our lives, I believe. It's just, just, I want to pause a little bit right here just to say to you prophetically that that will unlock the next, di the next dimension, the next season for South Africa of the body of Christ. I won't let any opportunity go by to paint to you and help you see with us how this next season is going to look like. Not in detail, because only God knows. But one thing I do know is that we cannot stay silent. We cannot just kind of keep on singing along with the songs on the PowerPoints and kind of feel good about that and kind of sense the Lord's presence. I believe it's about time that we help create these opportunities so that the power of God can be in our churches and therefore in our lives. We can bring that kind of level of faith that it would become, we can't twist God arm, God's arm, but if we all bring an expectation and a certain level of faith, 
He will come because he's a faithful God. We sing about it all the time. We read about it in the word. The thing is, with what kind of expectation are we coming together in his name? Just to sing a few great songs or not, depending on your opinion. Are we going to be the Marthas or are we going to be the Marys? Are we going to be busy with all kinds of things organizing? Or are we going to sit at Jesus' feet and expect the supernatural to come and, and, be, and be encouraged? And please God, so that the pleasures of God, of all these scriptures I've read to you so far, so that they can come. And I think it's about the hunger for the revelation of God. Look, when you worship God, whether in song or not, when you have a lifestyle of worship, it is a response to the revelation of who he is. It's not a response to who he is. It's a response to the revelation of who he is. It goes a step further. It's not a coincidence that this last book of the Bible carries that name. It's about the names of God. What, how is God called in your life? When he's on your lips, how do you describe him to others? That's also how we're going to evangelize. How are you experiencing God? Because if people see the power of God at work in your life, it's very easy to evangelize. You don't have to, often you don't have to say anything. They just sense it, see it, witness it. And if you then put a sound to that, it's an easy, it's an easy thing to lead people closer to God, or for the first time actually introduce Jesus to them. When the fuel of revelation of the beauty of God runs low in our lives, our energy for worship runs low. You have a level of faith and worship to the extent that you have a revelation of God. And in the church today, I believe in this world we live in, the church worldwide, the revelation of the beauty of, of the Lord is too low. We are not there where David was. And he didn't even have Jesus in his life. He didn't even have the cross in his life. And the resurrection power or the Holy Spirit. But he has so much revelation of God. If you go through the Psalms like the Psalms that Chen read tonight. He didn't know that I prepared this. It links in perfectly. The, those Psalms I don't have to read now anymore. I, it's fine. Thanks. Oh. Like Psalm 145. It's full. It's the summary of Jesus, of, of David's life. It's the prophecy of Jesus in there. Psalm 145. Go home and study that psalm. It's the pinnacle of David's psalms. It's also his last psalm of the 150. The last five are not written by him. Um, so you, 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 and the, how to please God is, you know, that second command, like love yourself, love your neighbor as yourself, that is an automatic. If you love God, you cannot run into God with that kind of love without melting in love for another person. Those two are interlinked. And that's that love of Christ, that we are Christians by our love. The world out there needs to recognize us by our love. That extravagant love, that hunger for revelation. I can't put love on display if I don't have a fresh revelation Every single day of God, and I write it down, the list of names of God is growing daily in my life. Another name of God, another name of God, another name of God. I don't need a preacher to tell me. Because I've got, you've, and, and neither do you. You have your own personal relationship with God. You have a unique life. You have a unique toolbox. You have a unique way of expressing life on earth and celebrating life. And as unique as you are sitting here, you've got a whole list of unique names probably of God. If we go around the room now, we would just probably go end in a place where we invite the band back onto the stage and we just exalt God, but not just like, oh, and I exalt you. But we would go crazy. These chairs would not be used for, for the goodness and mercy, the blessed behind. Yeah. yeah. That was David's life's vision, you know. I will praise, I will extol, I will bless you. Yeah. It's the highest desire that David had. Whenever, whenever we abandon ourselves like that to God, it always ends up impacting people. And that then pleases God. That's pleasing upon pleasing upon pleasing. He's pleased when we love on him. He's pleased when we declare who he is, you know, just to him. And that excitement just goes into the world, wherever I go. That's the kind of ministry I want to have, to be honest with you. Without a microphone, but just walking through the supermarket and somebody accidentally bumping into me and feeling like Jesus, feeling the power of God flowing out of me. Don't you want to get on to that level? Where people get healed because they accidentally bump into you? Or they touch you? <sighs> no prayer, no, no, 
Nothing. No religious gestures. No. Just like, whoa. I just, I just sense Jesus. Of late, I've had these experiences. And it's humbling. It's fantastic. I have no idea how this stuff works. But I don't care. That's heavenly business. I can tell you it works. I sometimes conduct orchestras, symphony orchestras, and stand with my back, minding my own business, I think, doing Mozart or Tchaikovsky or Beethoven. And, I go to my dressing room and then there's a knock on the door and there's a couple of people standing in line. I think, oh, no, 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 I'm a Christian. I don't need fans. <sighs> Please, I've died to this stuff. It took me years to die to that kind of... I don't want to be famous, Lord. I want to make you famous. But it's difficult because as a conductor, I stand with my back to the people and I don't talk to the people. So it's like, how can I evangelize by doing classical music? How is that possible? Give me a church, I'll do it there. And then God's like, no, but most of the, only the Christians come to church. So, you know, I want to use you out there, you know, when you're at the ZK Matthews or whatever. And there were a couple of people in line and they knock on the door and like all in tears. And I'm going, oh, they liked the concert, right? No, they all met Jesus. And I'm, yeah, well, thank you, Lord. I mean, I'm completely confused. The first time that happened, now I'm kind of like, yeah, come on. This is cool. You know, I'm pleasing God by not using my voice, not playing drums and worship songs. But it is worship because I'm making melody in my heart. I'm worshiping God. I'm trying to worship God in everything I do. It's not, not dependent on the music or the kind of music. God is not into the genres. God doesn't have a taste. He just listens to our heart. And so, yeah, can you pray for us, Mr. Conductor? Because we think we met Jesus and we, it's, Jesus was revealed to us as you were conducting, so we assume you are a reborn Christian. Yes. <laughs> so we pray. And this has happened now a few times, not just in the orchestras I conduct, but also behind my back. It's, it's fantastic. It's, uh, it, it actually fits me. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. And I'm, no, I'm not special. You can get to this place where you're so hungry for the revelation of God. You don't have to pick up a microphone anymore. You are the amplifier. You are the instrument. It has nothing to do with music. And if it has, then you are the drummer because you all have a heartbeat. If not, then you look pretty good for a dead person. So there's a drum, there's a drum kit inside of you. You know. We all make melody in our hearts. We are, so we, you are the instrument. You are the poem. Psalm 36, 1 to 12. I'm not going to go through it now, but I mean, let's go through some highlights. Uh, like uh, David just f focusing on some of the names of God and some of the descriptions. Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens, as faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Nice and poetic. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike. How precious is your unfailing love. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. He goes on and on and on. Just, he just talks to God, and that stuff pleases God. He, it's like the four tracks that David is running on his whole life we can learn from. If you want to please God, talk about God's mercy like David. Talks about, talk about his faithfulness. faithfulness. Talk about his justice. Talk about his righteousness. It sums him up. It's a bigger picture, a bigger map. And the power of those two truths, what God likes, uh, sorry, what God looks like and what we look like to God, those two truths will start a fire in you. That's when fire starts. You want more fire, you need to dig into the revelation of God and then the revelation of who you are in Christ Jesus. How does God look like in this situation in my life? And how do I look like? And then close that gap because you're made after his image. You should respond like God would respond. And in charismatic churches, we often... And also an LTS that has been advertised earlier, um, you know, in August, uh, life training school. We call that the opposite spirit, opposite to the world. But I would rather call it God's spirit and <laughs> define it, what it really is. How does God look like in this situation? What would Jesus do? We used to have arm wrist, uh, wrist, wristbands. It's that question. 
How does he look like? What would he do? Because Jesus says in, in John 5 that I will only do what I see my father doing. And Jesus says in John 12, I will only, you will only hear coming out of my mouth what I hear my father say. And then he says even more, he says what my father says and also how. I know what to say, but also how to say. Because you can know what, but you can do it in the wrong way. You also need to know how to say it with soft eyes and a soft voice. So we need to, my dream for you, because it's God's dream for you, and therefore I can only preach God's dream, not, not mine, unless it's the same as God's dream, which it is. Are you still with me? Mm. <laughs> is that you will be forever lost in the fascination of the beauty of God. David says in Psalm 27, verse 4, that he will gaze upon God's beauty all the days of his life. He wants to be in his presence, dwell in the temple, which means the presence of God, because the temple in the New Testament is what? Yes, your body, thank you. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is already dwelling within. So you're already there. That, that thing is, ding, sticks off. But David wasn't there yet. We, we've been given that by Jesus Christ. It's fantastic. But we have, we are, ab we, not about to, but we are endangered as the body of Christ to become too familiar with the beauty of God. The gazing upon his beauty. I believe there's a restoration coming in the world where we learn how to gaze again, to be childlike, not to be too smart about it. And our songs to be more simple and, to, and our utterings to God to be more raw and more straight from the heart instead of through the intellect, nicely shaped, big sentences. So it is quite a big, there's a duality between rest and work. So how do you do this with time? Because we only have so much time in a day and we compartmentalize everything we need to do. Um, so I want to really encourage you to read scriptures like John 15, 5, for instance, where um, scriptures talk about, you know, the, the vine, like I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Make sure that your target in life is not fruitfulness, but abiding. Fruitfulness comes from abiding. The target is needs, the target of spending time is with him, abiding in him. That's what John writes about. That's the groove. That's the dynamic balance between the two and the harmony between abiding and fruitfulness. And many of this, much of this world is about fruits because we often don't live from our identity in Christ. We live from our insecurities and we want to prove that we can produce fruits. Very much so. If none of you here, that's great. The rest of the world tends to want to do that. If you're all there already, bless you. You can pray for me after the service. I'm not always there. To have that security and the identity in God alone. There are over 160 verses in the Word of God over ident uh, about identity in Christ. It's, it's, it's a big topic in, in, in the Bible. Why? Because otherwise we can't abide. And we will always, as human beings, go for fruitfulness. Jesus was never anxious. Why, why can Jesus say, don't be anxious over nothing? Because his target was to be in the Father, the vine and the branch. He, he was not confused about the stuff. His, his, his focus was not having a successful healing ministry or starting a church or, or having at least 500 people in the evening service. Otherwise, I don't feel good about myself building this ministry. No, God is building the house. If we have two or more people here gathered together, it wouldn't be as much fun. But we, will, we would have worshipped and exalted the Lord of Lords. So, and thank the Lord for this church. We're not in that number game either. We, we want to raise up disciples. We want to raise up followers of Christ who are empowered by that spirit. And who believe in signs, wonders and miracles. And believe that God is still the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. And that's, he's the God of the new revival and the new reformation and the things to come. We want to take the things from the past. We want to live in the present, knowing prophetically what we see, where we need to go. He's pointing the way very clearly at the moment in South Africa. So let's not miss that. So I want to encourage you to enjoy your time on earth. <laughs> yeah. Because you know what? When you please God... A good friend of mine in ministry always says, I will not play a note, I will not do a thing. I need to know until I know that I know that I know that I have the smile of heaven upon it. I need to, I, 
and he's a piano player, and a singer, a songwriter. He says, I will not start leading any congregation into anything if I don't know that what I'm about to do has the smile of heaven. I need to know I please God first. And then whatever the people think, eh, not really my problem anymore. And if we have that attitude, I believe, to all areas of life, we can make theology very practical. That is actually the question. Is what I'm about to do, will it please God? Do I know the scriptures well enough to know that I'm not against his word? That's why I researched 99 scriptures. So maybe, yeah, maybe I should have done 100 and I could have left one alone and uh, you know, go after the one and leave the 99 alone or whatever. <laughs> no. 99 red balloons with scriptures. We can have a prophetic. We, I could have bought 99 red balloons and after the service, all go down to the field and prophetically release them. But just by sharing that picture now, you can do it all by yourself. Um, so fine. We're never, we're never supposed to be materialistic and become obsessed with any possessions. You'll never be happy about it. We must sure, like I said, that God condones our activities and that they don't go against God's word. This will help us in making good decisions instead of bad ones. And this, he created us for a purpose. And part of that purpose is to really enjoy him. To really, one of, one of the reasons God gave us so much around us to do and so much, so much creativity, and that's why he's a creative God, because there's fun in that. And we cannot become complacent just because, you know, when we get together, everything kind of works and it's like, you know, don't have to, everything is here. And it can, if we don't watch it, it can breed a kind of familiarity with one another or with the worship or with church or with gatherings or even amongst ourselves. And familiarity breeds contempt. And if we don't expect anything new from God anymore, then we're not pleasing him. Because he is consistent, but he's also unpredictable. And he's infinite, as you know. And there's no end to his creativity. There's, he's Alpha and Omega and anything in between and beyond. And Infinity, Toy Story 4 just came out, I think. So I want to encourage you to set aside like an action point at the end of this sermon. To set aside 30 minutes in, in the coming week. 30 minutes aside where you, of time every day where you just examine your schedule. And therefore your life. Because today, in this century, your schedule is your life. 200 years ago, this was not the case. Well, probably even 100 years ago, it was still different. But usually our schedule, that is in our calendars, that actually dictates our life. And we put it in. Well, well I also get a lot of invites that I have to accept from my HOD. So I, other people put stuff in my phone as well that I have to say yes to. You always have an option. It says yes or no. But how many of you know that in your careers, you know... Depending on where it comes from, the organization, you go, that's not an option. Yes. In another meeting, yes, yes, yes. And then the, your life is full. With what? With opportunities for God to move and do a miracle and through every meeting, touch through you, touch the world around you. Your neighbor comes from the English word neighbor in the, in, in, Shakespearean English world hundreds of years ago, these were two different words, neighbor. And your neighbor in, in capitalistic thinking is just the person that bought the house next to you or is renting next to you. Many people think that's what the Bible talks about, you know, loving your neighbor, but that's not the origin, origin of that word. The origin of the word neighbor means near dweller. So if you go to the supermarket, you have completely different near dwellers around you that you should touch with the love of God. Then when you come to church or when you indeed meet your next door electric fence owner um, <laughs> that is called neighbor that most of you probably maybe perhaps have not even ever met or had coffee with or anything. Don't look at me like that. But that's not the neighbor the Bible talks about. It's just anybody who dwells near to you. So tonight... It's us. Are we touching each other? Are we, by the way you worship God, are you inspiring your, your near dweller? By the way you pray, by the way, by the prophecies that you bring out, by, by your smile, by your, by your with your expression, your, your, your sense of joy, peace and righteousness in the Holy Ghost, which is the kingdom of God. That joy and that peace and that righteousness, do people experience that? 
because it pleases God. So, and then we can be ready to enjoy his pleasures. It's a two-way street. So set aside 30 minutes of your time to examine your schedule and your life. Are you seeing good balance in your activity? Is God, between your responsibilities on earth, but also your yes is your yes, your no is your no, all of these things, godly agreements, is God in your calendar? Are you purposefully working on the abiding in Christ? Or is all the stuff in your digital calendars rooted in and geared towards and targeted on fruitfulness? Because, you know, some of my leaders in my life, in my, in my job, are, are, not, are not reborn Christians. So the invites I get, their target is fruitfulness, multiplication, bottom line stuff, whatever. And I don't blame them. I mean, that's how the world is wired, right? But here I am, follower of Christ. My target is abiding in him. And through that, there's fruitfulness. So how can we meditate on that, contemplate? I'm just urging you and challenging you this week just to take 30 minutes a day out and just think about these things. How much, how much in your calendar, in your appointments, is blatantly pleasing God already? Or, and of how many, like the Bill Johnson story of the wedding, how many of these meetings... In how many of these meetings can you create an opportunity for God that God has to do a miracle? He has to touch someone. His kingdom has to come into someone's life. You know? And that all of you are evangelists. <laughs> it's not a special calling. Not anymore. Or like the French would say, not anymore. Take one, at the time, take one day at a time and make the changes you feel God is calling you towards. You will experience his pleasures forevermore. I learned how to smile in South Africa in the ministry. Because man, the hand of God on this nation and the pleasures that are bestowed on this nation and the churches. and the, I mean, when I came here for the first time, in the year 2001, I went home to, my wife was still in Holland at the time, it was just a ministry trip, I spoke in a conference and I went back home. And I said to Mika, I don't know what happened, maybe I slept weird in the airplane, but my, my face hurts. I don't know what's going on, it's weird. Like coming from Holland and driven, you know, fruitfulness, fruitfulness, fruitfulness. I learned how to abide in the vine. I learned, I learned it here in, in South Africa. And it brought about a smile on my face to such an extent that I had muscle ache in my face. For like quite, quite, the like whole year, 2001, I will never forget it. It's the funniest thing. And I, it's that smile of heaven that, that I sense is upon this, uh, now I can say, uh, upon my nation, but upon our nation. There's something there that, that makes some of the muscles just work much better than in other places. And I've ministered, I had the privilege of ministering all over the world for years. There's, there's nothing that makes me smile. Than when I, and I, I talked about it with Jeremy Riddle even and with the band and the guys. And they, they confirmed this as well. It's like, there's, so, there's something special here. He even said it from the stage on Friday. It's like, whenever we come to South Africa, you can just feel God's about to release. It's a new wave. It's a new wave of the Spirit coming. We're not dead. We don't need revival, but we do need reformation. There's a new thing coming. And so the question is to you here and, and I, are you so hungry? Are you going to be part of that? Are you going to sit on the sidelines? Are you going to be part of that change? And, and, and then the other question is, of course, we, there's never enough joy that we can have. There's forever more joy and pleasure and more, more to gain with God. So the question is, also this week, it's a very funny question. I've never asked this to anybody in, in my ministry in the last 20 years, but... Maybe you should ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what muscles in your body should ache a little bit more. Maybe some of you just walk in the things of God and you should be running, which means your joints, you should feel it there. Maybe it's a spiritual thing. Like I needed to learn how to smile. So God sent me to South Africa to learn how to smile in his presence and how to play drums like a crazy person. Instead of like, a, like somebody with a degree in music. So what muscles, you know, what muscles need to relax in your body? Because the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you when, you, when you're aware of what's happening in your body. I mean, it has a reflection in, the spir in your spiritual life, in the spiritual realm. So let me pray for you. Father God, right now at the end of this service, 
Some of us had to go, have to go from standing still to crawling, from crawling to walking, from walking to running, just to please you even more, to experience your pleasures, pleasures even more. Some of us have to learn how to smile or laugh or let go of uncontrollably, let go of anxieties, worry sickness of this century, Father, that the world is trying to superimpose onto us. Father, our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. We host your presence. So, Father, I want to also just take the opportunity right now to pray for healing. If any of these bodies sitting here in front of me, and also under the breath of my voice, right now, if the body is not there where you know it should be, if there is an illness in your body, you're not, you've, you're not feeling well, you've, you're feeling weak, or even if you listen through the radio, I pray right now, may the blood of Jesus touch you. May your body be so excited. May your soul be so excited that your body can actually keep up with the things of God. May people see that there's, there's a joy in your life that is not natural. That when we look at the state of this nation, or we, we look at economy, or we look at politics, or we look at our own careers, we look at our own lives, we, we look at the troubles, the trials and the tribulations that the Bible has told us that we will have. That somehow we are the ones that not go uh, you know, our, our heads are lift up, lifted up high and our eyes are lifted above the situations and looking at Jesus. The people will just look at us like a conductor from the back and, get, and see like, how can you be so joyful while I know this and this and this is going on in this person's life? So I pray for that opposite spirit to actually start in our bodies. The people go like, wow, this is quite amazing. It is cold, it is July, our houses are cold, we sit in church with a jacket and with gloves on, and, with, and, and yet they see when they encounter us that we are actually hot and on fire. We pray, Lord God, that somehow we, we put the supernatural on display, we, we put God's glory on display in such a way that it gives pleasure to you, so that we can obtain and embrace and see and grab a hold of the pleasures of heaven, so that there's an upward spiral, so it just goes more and more, more of us, more of him, more of us, more of him, more up, more down, more up, more down, so eventually everybody who touches us, accidentally even, gets touched by the power of God and gets to know Jesus without even saying a word at times. I pray for that power that we will we will have that fruit from abiding in Christ. I pray that in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Don't forget the host table and what else? Must I remind them? The prayer up front. If you need prayer, if you want me to pray for you, um, um, whenever I speak or I'm in the worship team, people know me. I'm the last one to leave the building. I want to make sure that nobody leaves here without any kind of godly agreement on anything you need. From healings to signs to wonders to whatever it is, you're welcome to come to the front for prayer. Go with God. Have a great life on earth. Smile a bicky more. Make people, set people aflame, fan the flame, be on fire, particularly in this cold winter months. <laughs> Love you guys.